It was just a, a summer ago, two friends, two fishermen, John Aldridge and Anthony Sensinski, left the coast of Long Island, and when they were about 40 miles offshore, John began to get things ready for their catch. Anthony was asleep below deck. And as he was pulling a handle to release something into the water, the handle broke and it sent him backwards and he fell off the end of the boat. The boat was on autopilot. And when he came to the surface, he began yelling for his friend who he knew could not hear him because he was asleep below the deck. And he watched as their boat disappeared out of his sight. And he began to think he was going to die. I have no idea what that felt like. Have you ever been to the ocean? I mean, it's a little bit unnerving, isn't it? My dad and I, when I was little, we went deep sea fishing. My brother didn't go because he always got sick. We got out so far we couldn't see land, so my dad got sick. And it really kind of freaked me out. 40 miles out. John said he did the best he could to calm himself and quiet his thoughts. He wanted to try to stay afloat as long as he could because he wasn't wearing his life vest. He did notice, though, that his boots seemed to be buoyant. So he took one off and he drained the water out of it and he put it back down into the water upside down and it created an air pocket. And then he placed one of his boots under his arms, just like MacGyver would do. Did the same thing with the other boot, and and it, it, it amazed him that he was able to stay afloat with his MacGyver boots. John began to think of his family and the fact that no one knew where he was, and the only Two obstacles he had, in addition to being in the ocean by himself treading water, was the fact that there were two sharks that were beginning to circle him. But they didn't seem too interested. And this I don't understand because evidently Anthony woke up four hours later. Boat is on autopilot. Who knows where it was? But he woke up and he called for his friend. His friend was nowhere to be found. So he realized something must have happened. So he called the Coast Guard. And the commander said, well, we will search for your friend, but we probably can't offer too much hope because that's such a large area to search. Well, Anthony found the broken hand, though, and he knew what John must have been doing, getting ready for their morning catch. And he knew that if that's what he was doing during that time frame, he knew what the depth of the ocean should have been. So that narrowed the search grid. John made it to the next morning. Still not a lot of hope. And when there was no sign of help, finally he spotted a fishing buoy in the water and he made his way over to that buoy and he climbed on it. 
And he gripped it like he had never gripped before. And then he had just been on there about an hour when he heard a helicopter, a Coast Guard helicopter, and he waved frantically and they saw him and they rescued him from his ocean swim. The Coast Guard diver said, man, we've been looking for you for nine hours. And John said, I've been looking for you for 12 <laughs> Miraculously, John Aldridge survived. He says he never lost hope, but he had his moments. Hope is the whisper that says, you know, maybe these boots will help you. Is that actually a fishing buoy over there? Is that the sound of a chopper coming by? Have you ever experienced a dark time when you felt like you had not much hope? Maybe for some of you today, hope is all you're hanging on to. I know the people in our country who live on the West Coast, hope for them was for the wind to either shift or to quit or for rain to come and help put the fires out. Those of you who watched the news last night and this morning, big storms in Illinois last night, yesterday. I know for some of them, their idea of hope is to light a candle after the storm to have some light and to realize that they haven't made it through an ordeal and to know that maybe help is on its way. For some of you, it's the first time you feel like you can breathe better after a bad cold or bronchitis or pneumonia, just the ability to feel good again. Maybe for some here today, hope is the percentage that you know you are hanging on to to beat cancer. Maybe for some of you, Today, it's that little line on that stick that you're looking at because you're trying hard to get pregnant for the first time. Maybe for some, it's the first sign of daylight after a long, hard, difficult, painful night. Maybe for some, it's hearing these words after your truck goes over and over and you're coming to your senses and the doctors say, I think he's going to be okay. Maybe for some it's just these words. Maybe there's a chance. Hope is the fuel that fills our faith and our dreams and Hope is what we celebrate this first Sunday in Advent. Now, I want to explain to you Advent. We hear Advent sometimes and we start shaking. We don't seem to know what that really means. Should we even say it out loud? The word just means coming or arrival. So these next few weeks, we are going to be in the Advent season, preparing our hearts and our souls to focus on the true meaning of the arrival of Jesus. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Jesus came and we want to celebrate. 
He didn't just come. He came to save us from our sins. He is our hope. And our relationship with Jesus means everything. And you know I don't have to explain this to you. This is a very busy time of season. We spend a great little time wearing ourselves out. And then there's the financial connection that comes usually after the first of the year when it comes to Christmas. But the message of hope, where I want us to jump off today, comes out of the book of Matthew chapter 3. There is a character the Bible tells us about by the name of John the Baptist, connected to Jesus, and he comes with a message of hope. It's part of the Old Testament prophecy. And I've said before, everything in the Old Testament, New Testament, points its fingers to whom? To Jesus. A fulfillment of prophecy, this is where it begins. This is the message of hope that we have come to connect with. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah said, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God could raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me, now here's the hope, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in, the, in his hand and he will uh, clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The first message of hope seems to come from the lips of John. Fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy Things talked about years and years ago began to come to fulfillment and the Bible says that God will always be lifted up. This hope scenario began with Adam and Eve. Their sin in the wilderness separated us from God. And because of that sin, because of that separation, the only hope that we have is in our Father God and His Son Jesus. God has been trying to reconcile his people back to him ever since that time. Genesis 12, 3 says, we see God's covenant with Abraham. He said to Abraham, through you, all the world will be blessed. So it starts here. And because of your righteousness, the world, all your descendants will be blessed because of you. Genesis 28, 15, Jacob also has an encounter with God at Bethel, and the covenant is renewed there. 
The Bible says, I will not leave you until I have done all I have promised. The covenant renewed, hope reinstated. And over and over and over again, the Old Testament prophets predict the coming of the Messiah. They basically say when and where and how and the Messiah would come with one purpose and that was to save the world. Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus. Now just think about that for a moment. 700 years before Jesus and here's what he says in Isaiah 7.14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. And then if you were to look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, these two verses kind of intersect and marry one another. And the Bible says there, Emmanuel means, catch this, God with us. And that's where we begin this series today, understanding that we have a promise from God that he will always be with us. He will be our caregiver, our provider. He will be our protector. He will be the one that brings us hope. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 goes on to say, For to us is born a child, a son has and will be given. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I know what some of you are thinking because I've been there myself. That was all good back in the Bible, yeah? But those people weren't battling cancer. Their sons and daughters were not dying in a war on the other side of the world. Their spouse didn't walk out on them. They didn't get a late call from the jail about their son. They didn't lose their job with no warning and no idea of how to pay the bills. If you hear nothing else, hear this, okay? No matter, no matter what kind of problem, no matter what kind of struggle, no matter, right now, no matter what kind of season of darkness, no matter what kind of pain, what kind of heartache, let me encourage you to never, ever, ever abandon hope. Because God promises to take care of his people. I watched this week the speech again by Jimmy V. I love watching that every now and then. I'll flip it on and his whole message is to never give up, never surrender, never, ever quit. And I think that's the message that we need to understand about hope because regardless of how difficult your circumstance, God still wants to help you because the Bible says God is with us. So let me share with you, I think, three ways that we can connect to this hope or maybe reconnect to the hope. And the first is this, this hope is based in God's word. So I encourage you, regardless of your situation or circumstance, regardless of your family, regardless of your job scenario, to be students of the Word because the Word can help you through even the most difficult of times. It has God's promises to His people. It also 
has reminders that can penetrate our hearts, reminders that can console our spirits, assure us that no matter what, no matter what we are facing, God still loves us and he cares for us. In fact, the Bible says God will never leave us or forsake us and nothing can separate us from his love. Maybe consider these words that come out of the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 139. I want to read from verses 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Again, the reference to the right hand in Scripture is the hand of strength, the hand of power, the hand of protection. And maybe that needs to be our consideration today. No matter what we focus in on, no matter what we um, deem important, the most important thing is that God loves his people and he has a plan. That plan involved Jesus coming to earth, dying on a cross, and then God raising him again. And because of that, we have hope, not just for today, but for tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next. We are not alone. Never alone, no matter what, always remember that God is what? He's with us. So our hope is based on God's word. Our hope is also based on God's character. This is the second way we can rekindle or reconnect our hope is to focus on God's character, who he is, and who he promises to be. I don't know if you know this, but in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew text, there's at least 20 different um, names for God. Names like uh, Elohim, which means God the creator. El Shaddai, almighty God. Yahweh Jireh, the God who provides. Yahweh Rapha, the God who heals. Yahweh Nisei, the Lord our banner. Yahweh Makish, the Lord who sanctifies, who makes us holy. Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. Yahweh Rohi, the Lord God, our shepherd. That's about half of the 20. Just giving us some kind of uh, vision of what God's character is really all about and how he pushes us even to a higher level. And God promises this in his character. Matthew 28, 20, he says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the day. Is that what your Bible says? I will be with you always, even to the end of the week. Your Bible say that? One of those modern translations? I will be with you always, even to the end of the month or the end of the year. Is that what your Bible says? No, 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 and no. I will be with you to the very end of the age when time is no more I will never leave you I will never forsake you that is my promise 
So our hope is based on the word of God. Our hope is also based on God's character. And one more thing, our hope is based on his faithfulness. Have you ever felt there was a time in your life when you really felt God was working? I wonder what that moment or those moments or those memories would be like because I've had many times in my life where I thought there's no way this could happen unless God was active with me. And you know, maybe it's been recent or maybe it's something that happened a long, long time ago. Maybe it brought you closer or your family closer to each other and to God. Um, But it was a dark time. A time when you were hurting, when you were frustrated, you felt broken, you felt scared, and it was in that time that you knew that God was with you because there was no way you could make this happen on your own. Have you ever been there? These words come from the book of Lamentations. Now, this is one of those books that we don't keep too close to our coffee cups, do we? In fact, I don't know when was the last time you were a part of Lamentations, but Jeremiah, a prophet known as the weeping prophet, was sharing some information to some of his friends who were in some tough stuff. Here's what the Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, starting with verse 21. He says, yet this I call to my mind, this I remember, and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love. Because of his love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, his empathy, it never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I say to myself. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I don't do wait quietly very well. My wife will tell you, those who really know me, Diane, my right arm around this place, I'm not a real patient person. I have my own time frame, and I want things to happen when I want it to happen. Wait patiently, dear, quietly for your salvation. Easier said than done, right? The only way that's possible is if we understand our hope. And our hope is based on God's word. It's based on his character and it's based on his faithfulness. Sometimes it's hard for us to focus on the right things. Sometimes because of our world, because of our busyness, because of our inability to understand the important, we focus on the unimportant. Has that ever happened to you? I got some little guys in the New Albany area who are already geared up for Christmas. Anybody here remember the Sears catalog? Do you remember the Sears Christmas catalog? I mean, when I was a kid, my mom and dad would give me that and say, okay, circle the stuff you want us to talk to Santa about. And man, I would circle that book, wouldn't you? Run out of crayons. I need blue now. Our little guys uh, don't have the Sears Christmas catalog to address anymore, but the last time we were over there, we took them the Christmas Target book. Not near as big, 
But man, they did some circling. And you know, I, I don't know if this happens in your family. Maybe it's just a Clark thing. When our kids were little, when our grandkids sometimes open a gift, you know, they are more focused on the box than they are the toy or the jammies or the socks or the underwear. I can understand that. And they might play for the, with the box for a long time. So you know what I'm going to do this year? I'm going to be one step ahead of them. I have a box. An empty box. And my whole goal is to take this box this year, and it's not as big as I wanted. In fact, I found a box in this room over here. It's a refrigerator box. My small group, were, they were here yesterday. We were wrapping some presents, 50 presents for underprivileged children. I didn't wrap one because I was hunting for a big box. And I used to work for my dad who manages a meatpacking plant. And I wrapped sausage as a kid. My wife will tell you every gift I wrap looks like a pound of sausage. They told me, Kelly said, these kids, they won't care. So I found this box and Debbie and Kelly wrapped it for me. And then I found the box. I mean, this thing is humongous. And I thought, man, if I can get that thing out of here, I think it's for something about the Grinch. The Grinch saved Christmas, but I stole his box. I would love to get that box because I I know they're going to play in this box, but wouldn't that box be even grander? And just think all the stuff. I think I'm going to fill this with those packing peanuts and some helium balloons so when they pick it up, they're not doing Christmas at my house, so it doesn't bother me. But I can guarantee you, for some reason, my grandkids, my kids, and probably me, spent more times with boxes than I would love to share. And when I thought about this grand idea, I'm not sure how I'm going to get the box there yet. I guess I could ship it UPS. It won't cost much. (laughs) But when I thought about that, you know, I thought... I know too many people, too many of us, with our spiritual journey, we spend way too much time with the box. And not near enough time thanking God for his gift. His son Jesus. Salvation. The protection of your soul. We just get so wrapped up with all the unimportant things that we really forget the important. This year, folks, make a pledge. Can we make a pledge? Raise your right hand, repeat after me. I will not focus on the box. Man, this year, what I want you to do is to remember your hope. Okay, 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 okay. Some of you are going to play with the box still. I know it's going to be the deal. But let's get past that. And man, if I could get the big box and if I could get the Nerf guns, baby, it's on. We could cut some holes in that big box, make some windows so we could shoot at each other. My wife has already told me no, no, and no. But you can't stop the poppy. No one can. But don't be that person. Thank God for everything that he blesses you with. Could we do that this year?
I mean, there are so many ways that he has blessed us, and we just have a tendency to focus on the box. If you want hope this year and next year and the next, you need to learn to focus on Jesus and the gifts that he blesses with. Anyone here blessed people? Uh, Maybe it's time to thank God from whom all blessings flow. Will you pray with me? Father God, I do thank you for this.